If you looked on BBC iPlayer in late November, they had still some Halloween films and they already had some Christmas films. And you could tell at first glance, without paying careful attention, which were which. Do you know how? Well, they have those little picture icons next to them. And the section that was Halloween, you could see without reading the details, because all the icons were dark. And then there was a section lower down, you could see at first glance was Christmas, because they were all bright, green, red and gold. Dark, and then light. And if we're simplistic, our messages about Christmas or around Christmas time could be rather like that. Before Jesus, everything dark. Now Jesus has come, everything's bright, red, green, gold. Everything's jolly and wonderful. And Jesus' disciples, when he came, thought a little like that. Once the coin had dropped and they saw he's the Messiah, the kingdom has come. Well, they thought, everything will be wonderful. The kingdom of God has come. The golden age has dawned. And Jesus had to correct them. There's still going to be a lot of trouble ahead. It's not all going to be light. There's still a lot of darkness that needs to be pushed back. We need to get our expectations right also, like those disciples. Whether we're encouraged or discouraged, whether we persevere or give up, depends on getting our expectations right. And I'm wondering, what, what do you expect for the year ahead, 2022? Will 2022 be dark or light for the UK? What are your expectations? Do you tend to be a, a triumphalistic person or do you tend to be a despairing person? Or are you somewhere sitting in the middle? Well, tonight's about getting our expectations right. And we're going to start in that famous passage that we read, Isaiah 9. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 9. But it is really a topical message. I can't claim to be actually preaching through the passage. It's more topical this evening. So we're not going to just be in Isaiah 9. And this message has got four parts to it. Four parts starting in Isaiah 9, but moving on beyond it. Here's the first part, darkness. Darkness. Verse 2, the people walking in darkness. What's that like? What's it like walking in darkness? Well, it's quite easy to illustrate, isn't it? Because it's dark now. Compare going out for a walk now around Loughborough to if you were doing it at the same time back in July. I don't even think that now would be rather more miserable than at what is it? Seven o'clock on a Sunday evening in July. Darkness is a bit miserable. Walking in darkness. What if your walk now was in the outwards without a light? What would that be like? Well, a bit confusing. You trip over a tree root. You don't know where you're going. That's what walking in darkness is like. Here's another thing walking in darkness is like. In a film, when it all goes dark, what does that tend to mean? It tends to mean something bad is going to happen. Maybe you've watched The Lord of the Rings and it's dark for an awful lot of the film. Why? What's it telling you? Evil is rampant, is dominant. And all those things tell us what is meant by verse 2, people walking in darkness. What is walking in darkness like? Miserable. Confusing, there's a lot of ignorance. And there's a connection here with sin. 
and God giving people over to sin. Verse two, the people walking in darkness. Why were they walking in darkness? Why were they walking in darkness? After all, they were they had been God's people. Verse one tells us who they were. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. They're Israelites. They're Israelites. I know it then says Galilee of the Gentiles, but that's part of the problem. Gentiles had kept on coming in and invading because they were under God's judgment. God the light had lived among them. Right in the centre at the temple, God lived. They were his people, but their persistent, unrepentant sin meant he'd judged them and he'd left. And that's why they're now walking in darkness. Because God judges sin. And that results in darkness. Darkness that means those three things that we just heard. Misery, confusion and ignorance, and being given over to sin. There's darkness. Here's the second part this evening. Light. Light. Verse two again. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. How did they go? How did they see a great light? Well, Isaiah nine goes on to tell you how. Let me just show you the structure of the passage. It's very simple. Verse one and two have told us who the people are and that they're in darkness. Verse two says there's going to come light. And verses three to five describes that light using some pictures of a harvest time and a battle won because they were really joyful times opposite to darkness. And then verse six gives the cause of the light. You notice verse nine, sorry, six. It begins with four. Because to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And as you probably know, you get to the Gospels and the child is born. You get to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and the son is given. And how does John's Gospel describe that? John's Gospel, chapter one, describes it like this. The true light that lights every man was coming into the world. And then that child that's born grows up and he becomes an adult. And how does he describe himself? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. See, direct claim to be the answer to Isaiah chapter nine. Light has come because the son of God has come. I wonder if there's anyone here and you feel like you're walking around in darkness, stumbling about a bit in life. Confused and wondering what it's all about. Unsure how to make sense of it. Well, the simple message of Isaiah chapter 9 is Jesus is the light that you need. Jesus is the one who can shine light into your life because he came to make God known. And knowing Jesus is like the sun rising on your life. I knew a man called Chris, very ordinary man. He um, he worked on the machines in Rup- not Rupert Murdoch. What's the other man called? Robert Maxwell's Robert Maxwell's printing presses. Just an ordinary worker on the machines. And he said. When he became a Christian, it was like a verse from a hymn. Here's the hymn that he loved to quote. He said it was like this. Heaven above is softer blue. 
Earth around is sweeter green. Something dwells in every hue. Christless eyes have never seen. He said it was as if my life brightened up. It was not that he had no troubles. In fact, older people might remember this happening. Robert Maxwell stole his pension and he had a lot of troubles. But he said my life brightened up because I saw this world belongs to the one who loves me. And everywhere I look, I see his handiwork. Jesus was like light coming into his life. Is there anyone here and you're keeping away from Jesus? Anyone here? Maybe some of the children you brought to church and you know about Jesus and you hear about him. But are you following him each day? You're missing out. If you're not, don't stay in the darkness. Come to Jesus, the light. That's the second part, the light. Here's the third part. Light spreads. Light spreads. We could easily demonstrate that, couldn't we? Uh, I'm tempted to do this, actually. There's a bulb gone up there. If we switch the light on, where is the light? Well, it's in the bulb, you say. But it's not just in the bulb, is it? Because it spreads from the bulb, thankfully. Otherwise, we'd be in darkness. Jesus came into the world. It was the light coming on. But the light didn't stay in that five foot or so of flesh in that man. No, he said the light would spread. And he made amazing claims about how and how much that light would spread. Here's one of them. Maybe you'd like to come with me to Matthew chapter 24 and read one of Jesus' claims of just how much the light would spread. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, remember that's the good news of Jesus who is the light, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Amazing claim. This morning we heard... All of history up to Jesus is all about God preparing the way for the coming king. Here Jesus says all of history from him till the end of the world is all about his light spreading. Until it's spread to every nation. Which, by the way, doesn't mean like United Kingdom, USA, France. It's not that sort of nation. It means every ethnic group. Every little ethnic group in the world. His light has got to reach And then when it has, history is done and the end will come. What a massive claim. How does that light of Jesus spread to every ethnic group? Well, Jesus said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. Hang on a minute. Didn't I just say that Jesus said, I am the light of the world? Yes, that's John 8. But in Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. Have we have we discovered one of those infamous contradictions in the Bible? No, it makes perfect sense. How how does our part of the world, which at this moment is facing away from the sun, get light? Oh, because the sun shines onto the moon, which reflects its light onto this part of the world that's in darkness. Jesus has returned to heaven away from us. How is this dark world to get light? We who know him and follow him are to reflect his light to those around us in a dark world. How did that first happen? 
Well, Jesus said to those he called light, his first disciples, you are to be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's how Matthew 24 verse 14 would happen. The light, Jesus, he's returned to heaven, but those who reflect him are going to reflect him in ever increasing circles until every ethnic group has received the light. And so you read in the book of Acts how they did that. And out they went and they brought the light of Jesus to others. And as they did so, they started churches. They set up churches. And what are those churches called in Revelation chapter 1? Do you know Revelation 1? Or you might remember what we read in Revelation 2. What are those churches called? Lampstands. And what is a lampstand for? Displaying the light. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. How? Because Jesus the light has come. Well, what if they don't, what if they live in Loughborough in 2021 and not in Palestine in 30 AD? Ah, this is how the light spreads. And this is what has happened over the past 2000 years. To us, it's quite ordinary, isn't it? And familiar that the light has spread. But what an astonishing claim of Jesus that his light would spread to every ethnic group. And, well, it hasn't reached every ethnic group yet, but it's, it's, Getting there. Here's an illustration I've used before, but we'll have it again. You look, can we have a picture up? I love these sorts of images. Don't you find these interesting? Can you see what it is? I don't know how well it can be seen. There's the UK, and I suppose that's a bit of France and Belgium and Netherlands at night time. Quite interesting, isn't it? Seeing the splurge of light around London and Birmingham, and if you look carefully, you might be able to work out which bit is Loughborough, and some bits in darkness, middle of Wales, and uh, bits of Norfolk, and places without so many cities, and so on. Light and darkness, quite interesting. A satellite image, spot places where there's light. Now, okay, I think we can get rid of that for a moment. Now, imagine a spiritual equivalent, a satellite image that shows up spiritual light, where the splurges of light and the little dots represent people knowing the one true and living God. What was it like before Jesus? That satellite image would be a world completely dark. You just wouldn't be able to see anything except for a little speck of light in Judea, an area about the size of Wales. Think of that. In the whole world, an area about the size of Wales. And there's light there. And then you get to the day of Pentecost and you'd see that light flicker brighter. And then you'd see little specks of light going off to Rome, Libya, Crete, Arabia, as people who had picked up the light at the day of Pentecost took it back to their towns. But it would be, they would be tiny specks of light. Then a few years later, light would spring up around Turkey as churches are started there. And then you'd see the light start to spread into Europe and spread into northern Africa, down into what we now call Ethiopia. And gradually, gradually over time, the light fills out in Europe, a bit into Central Asia. And as the centuries move on, you see the light jumping 
across the continents until you get to today and you'd see, well, speckles of light across the whole world. Countless millions walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Well, you might say, there's the answer to my question at the beginning. Do you remember my question at the beginning? And if you, those who follow the notice sheets or, or the sermon outline there might see the question on it. Will 2022 be light or dark for the UK? You might say, well, there we are. I've answered it. The light is spreading. The future's bright. Everything's getting better. Well, it's not as simple as that, actually. Not as simple. So here's the fourth part this evening. The fourth part is lights sometimes go out. This, by the way, is not, was not inspired by last Sunday evening when the lights went out here. Nothing to do with that. Lights sometimes go out. I wonder if you're still in Matthew chapter 24. If you are, have a look at the context. If you're not, I'll tell you. I read you one verse, verse 14. A great positive verse. The light is going to spread to every ethnic group. The gospel is going to go to all nations. But what is it surrounded by? It's surrounded by a lot of trouble. It's surrounded by things like verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. It's in a chapter Adjusting the disciples' expectations, who had now started to see who Jesus was and thought, wow, the golden age has come. Everything is going to be great now. Jesus says, there's still going to be a lot of darkness to be pushed back. It's going to be far from easy. And the spread of the gospel and the progress of the kingdom is actually going to be far from uniform. Lights would sometimes go out. That's why we read Revelation 2. You might like to turn to that now if you've, if you've got a Bible and you're quicker flicking around the place. If not, don't worry, because I'm just going to describe it to you in quite broad brush strokes now. Revelation 2, we read a letter written to the church in Ephesus. Do you know anything about the church in Ephesus? What a great church. The Apostle Paul founded it. There in Ephesus, great things had been seen as the Spirit of God moved and rescued people from idolatry and the occult. What a history they'd had. But now, we read in Revelation 2, they've left their first love. Their love for the Lord Jesus has died down. The flame isn't burning so brightly. And so Jesus himself warns them in verse 5, If you don't repent, I'll remove your lampstand. Now, what does that mean? What would it mean for the church in Ephesus to have its lampstand removed? Well, maybe uh, there would still be a group of people meeting. Maybe on the first day of each week, they'd still get together and sing some hymns. Maybe there'd be some people still enjoying each other's company, but they won't be a real church of Jesus. They won't continue to reflect his light. It will go dark in Ephesus. Do you know where Ephesus was? It it was in what we today call Turkey. 
The Apostle Paul preached there. That was really his main stomping ground for spreading the gospel. The main churches the New Testament letters are written to are there in Turkey. The ecumenical councils, in other words, all of the churches getting together, those great councils that wrote the main Christian creeds of the early centuries were there in Turkey. And in the 7th century, Islam swept in. And Christianity nearly all died out. And for hundreds of years, the gospel was almost totally unknown in Turkey. And when I say hundreds of years, I mean a lot of hundreds, because I mean right the way till the late 20th century. It was very similar for Northern Africa. Northern Africa in the 400s had been the stronghold of Christianity. One of the greatest leaders in Christian history, a man with the very funny name of Augustine of Hippo, lived there. But North Africa also had Islam sweep in and Christianity largely killed off for hundreds and hundreds of years. Think of the satellite image. Can we get it up again quickly, Eula? And imagine... You had spiritual equivalent of that. Where is their spiritual light? And it was the satellite was hovering over Turkey and North Africa. And for the first few hundred years after Jesus, you would see light. You'd see brightly shining cities. But for the last few hundred years, it's been dark, nearly totally dark across those areas. Could such a thing happen to the UK? Could such a thing happen to the United Kingdom? Well, yes. If it could happen to Turkey, if it could happen to North Africa, there's no reason why it couldn't happen to us. It can happen. The pattern, interestingly, in Ephesus was very similar to the pattern in Old Testament Israel. People who'd received great blessing from God... But the church, the people of God, turned their back on him. He gave repeated warnings, but people didn't like hearing those warnings. No, tell us something nice. Tell us something more encouraging. We don't want to hear this doom and gloom stuff. They didn't like the warnings and carried on their ways. And so lampstands were removed. And a society given over to sin. And darkness came. And it's pretty easy to see the United Kingdom being somewhere in that process. Now, you might say, why are you telling us this? Don't you realise it's nearly Christmas? It's supposed to be a time for cheerfulness, isn't it? Are you Scrooge and you think that actually it's been too cheerful December so far? Let's pour a bit of misery on things. No, no. But there wouldn't be any Christmas If Jesus had turned a blind eye to those walking in darkness, if Jesus had said, I don't want to hear about God's judgment. It's pretty miserable hearing about that. Let's hear something nicer. But Jesus didn't turn a blind eye. That's why we have such a thing as Christmas. I'm saying this not to be Scrooge like and depress and to depress us on a Sunday evening. I'm saying it because I do worry. I do worry that we're rather complacent sometimes. I do wonder if we sometimes misread Jesus' promise 
where he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we turn it into a guarantee. Everything will be fine here. Everything was not fine in Ephesus, nor in North Africa. And that not fine lasted a very long time. I think there are very bad signs for our situation in the UK. And we should be realistic. But realistic is not despairing. Realistic is not despairing because God is in control and the light has come. So what should we do? I want to finish with some things we should do about it. There are changes on the big scale here. There were in Turkey when Islam swept in. There is, if we're realistic, in the West, the decline of Christianity in the West, big changes in our society, the sorts of things that little us can't affect. We're we're too small, but God can. God can. So the main thing that we are to do is to cry out to God for our society. The main thing we're to do is cry out to God for mercy on the people of our society. But that's not the only thing to do. Remember the church in Ephesus? That little lampstand in a dark society. What did they need to do? What did Jesus in Revelation tell them to do? Get back to loving Jesus. This is effectively what Jesus says. Get back to loving Jesus. They weren't loving him like they used to. And Jesus says, get back to loving me or the light will go out. Which makes sense. Get back to loving Jesus or the light will go out. Even if it's darkness all around us. Even if there are big changes in our society that are just beyond us. We can still be light. How can we be light? Almost exactly a year ago at our carol service, someone someone bought a load of solar-powered lights. Have you seen the ones people stick in their gardens? And uh, someone brought a load for us to put outside so that while we sang outside after the carol service. There they are. They have a solar panel in the top and they take in light when the light when the sun is out and then they give out light when it's dark. Well, isn't that a good picture of us? Is that you? I hope it is. What are we to do? Spend time getting to know Jesus. Bask in his light. Appreciate his glory, his love, his wisdom. And then display that light to a dark world. Don't hide it under a basket. Don't put it in the cupboard. Display that light. Reflect him to a dark world. So however dark our society Whatever big issues in society we can't change, we can bring light to the people we mix with, even this week. Will 2022 be light or dark for the UK? We don't know. We don't know. We can't presume. We must plead with God about that. But whatever goes on, on the big scale in our society, we can and should shine the light of Jesus to those around us.